And good morning, everyone, and welcome to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, here live in the studio at your trusted Triple H community radio station. Thanks for joining me today. It's going to be a great show once again. We've got one of our regular guests, Gunnar Habitz, who's going to be talking to us all about just being in general more cyber secure aware and we're also going to be talking a little bit about networking today as well for which he is I would consider from my experience with him a little bit of an expert a little bit of an expert although being humble I'm sure he would um, he would say that he's not necessarily the expert of experts now today's show is uh, very exciting because we've got uh, Gunnar joining us once again and um, he's going to be talking all about some of the skills that he's acquired just basically because he's been in well, I, I don't want to say I don't want to say he's everywhere, but he is. He, he's one of those people in the small business networking circuit who is well known, uh, well liked, and um, everybody enjoys a bit of a, a coffee and a catch up with Gunnar because he's so knowledgeable. So we're very glad to have him on the show today. So today we're talking all about networking. Now, uh, welcome to the program, Gunnar. Hi, Alex. Good to be back. It's good to have you. It's fantastic to have you. Your um, your last podcast were very popular, very um, intriguing how much knowledge you have. And uh, thank you very much for sharing it with our listeners again. Now, today's a little bit different. We're going to be talking about uh, networking and your personal brand. Um, you are very passionate about small business. And just to recap on what we've talked about previously, um, you don't run a small business, do you? Well, on one side, I came from a family business, so I know this from my from my parents who had a company for 42 years with 12 staff plus some casuals, so I know what it means for ages, for decades, and I've been working in the small company of my father as well, so that was basically the setting the stone, but then at the end, uh, I ended up in a corporate world and enjoyed also the large professional level, whatever is possible there, and then my my dream was always to take this back into the small business. And here in Sydney, I have all of the chances to do so. It's amazing that the company that you work for, which is, of course, Keep It Safe, um, is is open to that idea. And I think pretty, a pretty forward-thinking company, I would say, that they enable you to, to connect, um, obviously, with our listeners and our small business listeners and, and prov- provide us with your expertise, but also to connect with a lot of other businesses through networking opportunities. And that's that's what we're going to be talking a little bit about today, because you're coming from a, from a different perspective. We've had business coaches, we've had personal branding experts coming on previously, but I think you bring a really interesting perspective to this subject about building your personal brand, because you're going to be talking about almost coming at it from a different angle. You've got that experience of small business, but you're also talking about it from, look, here I am in now corporate, and this is this is the, the viewpoint that I have on it. So I think it's going to be an interesting show. Yeah, exactly. I like this mix, and especially what is great here in Sydney, and in general in Australia, that it is possible in networking events to talk to people, to be open to them. So that is more open compared to my home in Switzerland or in, in other continental European countries where people are a bit more close. Why is that? What do you think the difference is? Do you think it's because we sort of have that more open business chatty culture? Really? Is that, it, you, you found that quite a marked difference compared it, to where it, you were. It really is a difference. Or is and that a Switzerland thing? No, no. no <laughs> not in general about Switzerland, but it, it really is a big difference because people are more curious. So Sydney as such, and surely that also is covering for Melbourne, is a little bit of... Um, you take the whole world, make a summary of this, and place it on one, on, 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 on one city. And that's exactly what Sydney is about. So you have, you have people from everywhere in the world. So that means people are curious to learn more about the different kind of experience, especially when you have somebody like myself coming from corporate world and also in small business so that uh, people 
would like to know about. So you've got the best of both worlds when it comes to buzzwords and, and really the intricacies and, and the way people interact with one another because you see it from both viewpoints, I suppose. Yes, exactly. And it gives me a lot of curiosity because it's not about me trying to sell any services to them, to small business, although that's my target audience. Mm. It's rather about to learn what the challenges are, to find out how possibly I can help them in a second or third step. And this is an excellent um, you know, segue into what we're talking about when it comes to personal brand because a lot of people go, okay, if you're new to business, you might say to yourself, personal brand is what you look like, how you dress, your logo, but it's more than that. What, what do you believe it really it definitively means in a, in a way in your experience? So in my opinion, overall, the personal brand, first of all, you need to start with a strategy, not only with, as you mentioned, the look and feel, not only how your website should look like, what you put on your profile, but really would like to, you need to find out what kind of image you would like to create in the view of the audience, not on yourself, on the audience. What is the value that you can provide to them? Mm. Value becomes value only in the perception, not in what you try to offer to them. So that's an important thing. So if you take personal branding as a world, the person is, of course, the kind of, let's say, the art and the story about yourself. And brand shows a little bit more about the packaging. Mm. Then, of course, it needs to have certain consistency on it. That's a good point, actually. Defining um, or finding the difference between what is your brand versus what is it your um, what value do you provide? And and often when we think of value, because we've have been have this advertising of sort of supermarket speak rammed down our throats, we think value is fifty percent off or stuff. It's got to do with money, but it's not. It's not got to do with money. What sort of things do you think people can add value to that are not? of a financial or sort of um, measurable amount? First of all, the word value, indeed you're right, is, has a couple of meanings. Value you can see in, in Woolies or Coles as their value line, let's say, which is not the most expensive one. Mm. That is true. And I've been spending a lot of time in retail, so I know what value means there. Mm. On the other side, value is something in the perception of somebody, mm. uh, of the target audience. So if you do something for them that, which is addressing their pain points, and moves the customer from solving the pain point into a state of comfort, then you achieve a perceived value. And it's not just a vendor's value proposition. That's right. The proposition comes from the person who's selling. The uh, the viewpoint is what you're thinking about as the person who's who's viewing it. So the package you're looking at, obviously, is, as you said, it's, it's the branding branding we can dis definitely disassociate those with your logo and your colors and your website and giving that a lot of thought and and then maybe even a little bit about your personal branding and what you look like and how you dress and how you're going to present yourself as opposed to the value so let's take yourself for example you've got um, a very great <laughs> he just adjusted his jacket <laughs> you've got a great um, presence on LinkedIn it's it's very much presenting yourself as the expert how important do you think presenting yourself as the expert expert is in your field um, to those around you, even if you're not, you know, it's a bit of a falsity, but even if you're not the expert yet, can you do that without, if you're only just starting out? Is it possible to be the expert when you're only just beginning? Yes and no. Yes, it is possible. If you really find the place where you can add some value, of course, if you really start out first, you find competition. You need to also find out what is the real difference that they can provide. Mm. There are people who say you can easily become a consultant if you know only 1% more than the target audience. But that is maybe not strong enough. So you need to find out what you can really do. Start by providing a service to somebody, even if it's just on a voluntary work, and then you can realize that you do have something 
that others perceive as good that helps them mm. and then you can start thinking about how to create a strategy for yourself and get out to the market with it but first you need to start from creating this kind of competency competency in the sense of what can i do to help somebody so this what it's both sides the competency you have and also for the target audience that you need to define mm. and in theory the target audience is endless but in reality it's of course not and the best way you start with uh, specific specific items specific target markets by geography by industry by by whatever by certain affinity where your personal brand appeals to them that's right and and that's what and that's coming back around to what we were saying before about it it is a bit about your personal brand because it's the way people perceive you and how you package yourself up and when i say packaging I, i'm not necessarily talking about the suit you wear but your reputation and that actually is also possible to see online because mm. if you if you find out where the target audience is hanging out mm. And address that target audience with knowledge, with a little bit of nuggets, maybe with long format articles, then it makes sense. And I strongly believe it's not only what you give from yourself, but you can become an expert also by finding out what other topics exist in that area that fits into your personal brand that you can provide to them, although it's not yours. No, so you, then, you can research it, absolutely, and then share it. So what I'm doing, I, I defined uh, earlier in the year which are the topics that I would like to be known mm -hmm. for, what is the value that I can provide, where do I have passion and interest myself because without the curiosity into people and into a subject, it will never work. That's right, yeah, very, then, very important exactly. factor, isn't it? You've got to be interested in what it is that you're talking about. And then I thought for myself, so uh, I've done a lot of uh, studies and have experience on the leadership side. Mm -hmm. I've also uh, done, uh, it's one of the first chartered managers for the Institute of Managers and Leaders. So I'm curating and writing about leadership topics. Myself, I'm in the sales arena, then of course, uh, IT sales in particular. So this is something that I'm doing for many, many years. And it's interesting to see how the sales is evolving in the age of the informed buyer. So many, many experts say that um, today the customer with all of social media and all possible possibilities to research, the buyer is only asking a vendor or provider at the stage of 57% of the buying journey. I don't call it size cycle. And yeah. this number of 57% is from the year 2011. So I think it's even much, much further away. So that, that means I need to position myself on sales topics, on the arena where I am in. So in this case, uh, about uh, cybersecurity, uh, disaster recovery as a service and so on. I need to position myself accordingly as an expert so that then when one day a potential customer has an interest, he might already be able to have seen me. So it's almost as though we're speaking to an audience which is somewhat informed about what it is that they're trying to buy off you anyway. So they've done their research, they've asked around, they might be talking to professional associations, say they're trying to engage with a consultant, maybe they're finding a good accountant. They've already spoken to a few people, uh, they already understand what it is that they're looking for and what service that person needs to provide to them. And then they might have done some research into what a good accountant should be providing you with. So as you said, that's that's the 57%. We're not talking about people who know nothing about what it is that you do or the service that you provide or haven't done any research yet. And I think that's an important factor that we all need to consider when we're talking to our audience as small businesses, that 57%. That's a really interesting statistic. Yeah, and it, it can be even already 75%. It, of course, depends industry and so on. But for example, when I came to Australia two and a half years ago, I also needed somebody who can exchange the money that I had from Switzerland into here. So who do I talk to? I can research about them. 
But as I go also to various networking events like uh, BNI, Business Network International, there was one gentleman who was talking about this. So then I built trust with him. And then when I needed the service and I've seen him on these events and I've seen what he's also showing his expertise. So he was also in, in, in radio and in the television. Then I had the feeling he indeed is an expert. Mm. So I went to him instead of going to the bank. So that trust factor is, is there's the 57% of the researched uh, figure that people are up to when they're about to engage with you. But then there's also the trust figure that, that um, you know, there's a bit of research that's gone into that trust as well, rather than just people. Nobody does the yellow pages thing anymore. Nobody just cold calls someone to ask for some help. It's often because they've seen them here or they're positioned here or they've written this article or they, like you said, you, they've spoken at various places. Yeah, we all know the sentence. People like to do business with people who they know, like and trust. Mm -hmm. I would add three other topics on it. People like to do business with people who they know, like and trust and who inspire, educate and entertain them. That's a big ask. <laughs> you have to be entertaining, inspiring. And what was the other one? Educating. And educating. That's, that's a lot of hats. And there we come to the journey from starting a personal branding into what I call social selling. I'm going to stop you there because we've got to go to some community service announcements. Once again, you're here with Gunnar Habits. We are um, just talking about so much knowledge here in relation to uh, social media selling, LinkedIn profiling, how to understand your uh, end client, how to position yourself. It's a jam-packed show. Join me after this break for Small Biz Matters. My name's Alexi Boyd. We'll be back after this. So today uh, we have our fabulous regular guest Gunnar Habits on the show from Keep It Safe. He's been talking a little bit before the break about personal brand and understanding the difference between branding yourself, which we should start to consider as the look, the feel, how we dress, um, maybe a little bit about how we communicate, but more importantly, what that means for presenting and selling yourself, not just online, but, but in, in a personal way as well. And we were talking a little bit before the break about presenting yourself and pitching yourself as an expert, positioning yourself as an expert. And that might be through some written material. It might be through the way that you share other people's material with your audience and understanding at what stage of the journey your client base is at when they come to you. Interesting statistic you mentioned just before the break there, Gunnar, was 57%. That's where people are at in terms of their research level before they actually engage with someone who might be in small business. And I think that's an important factor to, to remember is that people aren't cold calling experts anymore. They, they know what they want from them, which is interesting. Now, you said something just before the break and we were going to launch straight into it. Say it again. Yeah, I talked about social selling because yes. uh, the personal branding is a starting point and a requirement to do proper social selling. And that actually, same as the word value that we discussed before, also social selling is a term which for many who don't use it is a little bit of a misleading. Some people might think social selling means selling products on Amazon and making advertising on social media, yeah. which of course it's not. That's what I it's was going to say. It's a bit more social engagement, which as a term for decades and centuries means completely something else that you engage in the social area around you. Mm. But uh, as such, social selling as a term, as I learned it also from my coach Rahul Kumar uh, here in Sydney, social selling is the use of social and digital to advance the sales and business agenda. It is basically about finding the right potential clients, engage with them, educate them and developing the network. The target of this is not necessarily selling online, mm. but finding the right moment when you can take a conversation that started on social or digital, when you can take this conversation offline into a face-to-face -face meeting, into a call, 
And that coal will never be a cold coal. It will be a warm coal, very well warmed coal. Mm. It's an important distinction, isn't it? Because uh, it's almost the pre-sell. It's almost as though you're, you're warming people up or you're, you're helping them to get to know you and trust you and, and, and help, them, help to educate them. All those things that you said were an important part of selling these days before that, that moment where you sit down. So how do you... Uh, th- can you give me a, quite a specific example of a good lead-in? So say, for example, um, I'm a consultant. I have been working in corporate all my life, 20 years, and now all of a sudden I've decided to start my own business. Now, I am an expert because I've been doing it for 20 years. Um, how does one start to build up that reputation online through social selling as well as the personal branding? So leaving the personal branding aside at the moment, talk to me about what would you say is a really good strategy to start uh, building up that reputation? So first of all, when, when this personal branding is done, you have your website accordingly ready and your LinkedIn profile looks good and also looks like you provide value. So then the one important thing is to show this expertise online that can be done by writing own material. And of course, when you have experience and you are an expert, the first thing you would do is to research what all exists in that area mm. already mm. for your target audience. That's the most important thing, especially when you come from corporate and go into small business. It's big difference. And also to understand how that communication is because the way one talks to your colleagues in the corporate world is very different to it's the way you have to different. talk to others. It's completely different. And there are some good examples who, who made this switch very, very well. So then first you find out what, what are the pain points from this target audience. And one beautiful area how to come into these pain points is to attending networking events where your target audience hangs out and not to pitch to them, but being simply curious and ask them. So, uh, for example, when I'm selling um, services for cloud backup, yes, of course, one of the areas is the, the legal sector. So in law, you need to have certain uh, uh, data retention. You need to, by law, provide your data for seven years. So I've been interested in the area of, of, uh, of the legal so, and, and do not mean the large law firms who have 100 uh, lawyers, but rather about the small business. What kind of infrastructure do they have? So then, uh, then I found also one nice example of a lawyer, Ursula uh, uh, from Lothentic, who really created, who came from a corporate world, who created his own company based on trying what the target audience needs in the small, medium business. And how can he show this difference with all of the knowledge he gained and, her part- and his partner and to make this kind of difference possible? And uh, creating a perfect personal brand, he's showcasing his knowledge with articles. And then when I need something, I would more likely come to him because it's appealing to me what he's doing. He's showing, showing this kind of expertise that he has. So articles are one example, um, obviously writing those in LinkedIn. Would you suggest someone in that consultation space would even bother with Facebook or what, what's, your, what's your thinking about that social selling for that as a platform? The chosen platform really depends on the target audience where they hang out, of course. Um, in LinkedIn, you have two options. You can create a long format article and you should have some at least because they are standing there forever. They are visible. You go on the profile, you see what article the person has been written. And they show there are these um, thought leadership type of expertise that is visible and that mm-hmm. people can engage. You can always reuse them and post your same article. So that's mm. possible. The other thing, you can do shorter posts on concrete topics, on um, events which are happening, especially for the 10th of September uh, event that you are running then on, on uh, um for the networking that you just mentioned earlier, to do some kind of topics around this and always try to find a different angle of something, of the, of the 
subject you're talking to, getting also some others into the conversation. For me, the important thing is, if I would show an expertise that I do have, mm. then I don't believe I'm the only one who knows everything. Mm. But I need to have influencers around me and those who are in the same area who might not be my competitors, but some of their market companions on a different way. So a good example would be a web programmer, web developer, who is very good in what he does, but potentially he's not the expert on SEO, search engine optimization. But there are others who do this and maybe not the gods on web development. If they partner together, so then it would work. So you're saying with your partner, you, you post something on, on LinkedIn, for example, and do you invite them in to comment? Can you actually like tag yes. them and say, yes. you know, let me know your thoughts or what do you think about this or have you got anything to add in your area of expertise, for example? Exactly. You can also even put in the in the post itself, not in the comments, but in the post directly this. You can showcase somebody what he has done uh, properly. You know, it's funny you should say that because it's really been in the last six months or so when I've started being a bit more careful about the guests that I have on the program. And, and look, uh, not to to blow my own trumpet, but I, I really feel that this 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 is what what do I do here it has absolutely nothing to do with what what my business is, uh, but uh, it is your value in positioning myself as just a an advocate, which is what I want to be on an, in a non commercial sense. And it was when I started to pick and cherry pick the people who came on the program, but also those that I engaged with on LinkedIn. So you stop. Okay, obviously you build up your your database with family and friends to begin with, just to get some just get some numbers. That's all fine and well, but you really choose who it is that you converse with when you're talking to your audience, and I think that's quite important. And then you start to see some real traction, not just people who like you, who are being supportive and lovely, and we we really appreciate those people, but people who are genuinely engaging with you and going, oh yeah, actually, what you've got to say is actually interesting and important and I've got this to add and then it becomes more conversational and then you can get some real, I guess, stickiness. Yeah, and you also mentioned one point, numbers, because at the end, the, an important area is consistency. If you have your personal brand on, lovely. If you do a little bit of a blogging on your on your website, it's good, but I see so often that small businesses start this and then when I look them up and think, oh, that might be a potential good either some company where I would like to buy some services from or even would like to sell to them. And I see they've done five great posts mm. from July to September 2015, but mm -hmm. nothing since then. Yeah, you it's do have to be consistent. Consistency is important and also you're not the only expert in the world. So then that means the best way to show certain expertise is to admit this and make a mix between own content and curated content. So that's what I'm doing on a, on a very regular basis. So not only that, I pay attention to when is the best time for the target audience to see the post when they are coming, but also to make a good mix of different topics. So for example, I, I add leadership and sales and networking, personal development and practical tools. So these kind of five areas, they are always going through. And when it comes to the topic, which is a little bit more, more thinking into mindset and personal development, I'm posting this on a Sunday evening, but not on the on, on, on the Monday morning or something when people are in a, in a rush hour. So then uh, I try to pay attention to make that happening. And I also have a target for myself, not only how many contacts I would like to have in my network by end of the year, for example, but also I'm tracking how many views I get on LinkedIn for certain posts with the target to have 10 of them being more than 1,000 views. So these numbers don't generate dollars, but at least to create a network large enough so you basically you need to have not just quantity and also not just quality you need to have quantity of quality 
So that is that is the catch over here, of course, to have a network which is not just, as you mentioned, your family and friends, but uh, which consists of people who are interested in what you're doing, that you can inspire them. And with the sharing of your own content and, and created content, you can also educate them and sometimes also entertain them. But yeah, that is that is the target. I mean, you were coming back to those three additional... Uh, say that sentence again where you were saying, you know, when you engage with someone, you want the trust. People work... Well, like to work with people who they know, like and trust mm -hmm. and those who inspire, educate and entertain you. And that's great because this is what we're trying to achieve with this conversation today is that how is it that you can engage with those people and do all those things and, and meet all that criteria? It's a lot of criteria <laughs> with the risk of being a little bit overwhelmed. The, the interesting thing is people say, oh, that takes a lot of time to do this, to write something. Yes, indeed, and especially for those non-native English like myself. But it's it's getting better and better. It's worth the effort and it helps to... The writing really helps to tackle a problem where you like to show what you can offer. And then once you have done this, it's much easier when you talk to clients. It's the same as everything. Once you've done it a few times and it becomes more comfortable, um, you can get better and more efficient and faster at it. But like everything in small business, you have to put in the hard hours and the difficult and the research at the beginning. Now, speaking of research, you mentioned um, the time of day posting and the time of the week posting is quite important depending on what sort of an article. Can you give us a couple of tips? Say, for example, you mentioned uh, something that's more of a social conscience article. You said that is best posted on a weekend, say a Sunday evening, for example? Yes, so I would never post on a Saturday, mm -hmm. not at all. Because not at people, all? No, people are on, uh, on, on basically on, in their weekend. I do not want to disturb that. Um, when it comes to posting on Facebook, 9 p.m. is better than 6 p.m. Oh. Because that's often after dinner when people look into it. Too late is not good because you should not have... You should not read on your screens anyway after 10 p.m. <laughs> so we shouldn't have, be encouraging good it. <laughs> sleep. Uh, so we need to pay attention a little bit about the timing uh, mm -hmm. when it works. And if you if you have different kind of topics, imagine you are a lawyer and you have uh, you are an expert in two areas of, of law, then you would maybe toggle them between this and that. So really pay attention, not just to post something. Yeah. What I'm doing also, I have a little bit of automation behind the posting. So I'm researching on every Sunday to find out which are the posts for the week that I would like to post all the time. And uh, then I have them automated scheduled. There are tools like Hootsuite or Buffer who enable this. Would you also be doing your research on a consistent basis or did you feel that once after you'd spent a really good chunk of time understanding the audience that you can say, oh, okay, well, I get it now. I know when the best time is to post and I know what everybody else is posting out there or is research a constant part of the... Research is constant because that, that's what I've seen as well. So I've been posting uh, throughout the year. I've realized that I got a couple of views Nice views, so that's good. But then in July, it went down a little bit. So I had to go again into research to find out why it went down. What is the content that I'm sharing? And I even have a tracking table to find out where are the sources, which are the sources which are most successful. And successful does not mean if only people see this or like this, but it goes further if they engage on it, if there's a discussion coming on it, and even further, what kind of face-to-face -face or coffee meetings or phone calls I can create out of this one. And that's an interesting one. And what I strongly believe in that's normally not, not very much visible on the social selling arena is the way of offline, online, offline. I go to an event. I was sitting recently on an, on an event from, from an IT vendor. And on my table group, there was somebody where I thought, yeah, one day maybe we can do some business together. It's okay. We collected the business card and usually it would stop there. 
But as we connected on LinkedIn as well, and he has been seeing what I've been posting over time, and then you announced that I would be here, that was in June, on the radio show here on Triple H on Monday. I came on a Tuesday, and on Wednesday I got a call, and now it's time to talk. So it was part of the uh, the puzzle piece, if you will, and it's got to be a blend of social uh, business cards, bit of brand reminding, bit of face to face, and then and but it, but almost, I guess it can't be too prescriptive, can't it? You can't no. sort of go, I met you, then I took your business card, and then we connected on LinkedIn, then we had a conversation, then we had a coffee, and then we had business. It doesn't always work like that. Sometimes it's the opposite way. It needs to come on a very genuine way of showing interest to the other person. Otherwise, it looks like a machine. And uh, I strongly believe that about thirty percent of sales position will go away, especially in corporate world especially those areas which can be replaced by automation, artificial intelligence. That means both on selling and on buying side. Mm. So then even more it needs that we have specialists who have expertise and who can showcase that. And you can't automate that. You can't automate article writing because we're more intelligent than, than the machines. You can. I think. Don't, little, no, don't say that. <laughs> no, you can a little bit. So then the result will be an article full of keywords, which is optimized for Google. Oh. And if a person reads this... <laughs> It'll just be more. You better don't write that. It'll just be word salad. <laughs> Look, we're going to take a break here on Small Biz Matters, and we're going to come back after this. We're talking all about building personal brand, engaging with your target audience, and the journey that you take your clients on from the moment you engage with them all the way through to a sale. With our one of our experts here on Small Biz Matters, that's Gunnar Habits. We will be back. My name is Alexi Boyd. Listen to these community service announcements. And welcome back to Small Biz Matters, the half-hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name is Alexi Boyd, of course, and we're joined in the studio by one of our regular experts, interestingly, who's talking all about being an expert, positioning yourself, engaging with your audience, all those things that uh, we should, I guess, innately know how to do as a business, but we can never learn um, too much. And I think what's interesting about today's program is Gunnar is coming from the angle of having a lot of small business experience, but also a little bit of corporate experience and watching others who like to position themselves in it as experts uh, and their journey and how they do it. Now, just before the break, we were talking about content and I want to put a phrase to you, Gunnar, and I want your thoughts on it. And it's that fabulous thing, content is king. Do you, what are your thoughts on that? Do you think that it is, is that, is that the be all and end all? Is it really just if I get the best content on my website slash social media chat slash LinkedIn articles, that's it, I'm set, I'm done. What are your thoughts? No. <laughs> in Look, a word. <laughs> in, in my former life when I've been in Europe, I published 15 books. It's a lot of content. Is it relevant to where I'm here in Australia? No, it's not. It's in German. It's not needed. <laughs> so in that sense, I strongly believe content is prince. Context is king. So you need to have content which is relevant to the audience, which is relevant also to the stage where you are at. And you can also create yourself an editorial calendar, what type of topics you would like to cover for the next half year mm. and uh, how to publish, on which kind of platforms to publish, because there are different ways of doing this. Uh, Google would not like if you have the same article everywhere and the same kind of media. Well, it works against you, doesn't it? it you does. literally can't cut yes. and paste, otherwise it just it, so it almost therefore, falls over. Therefore, some, some would say on LinkedIn you can do a kind of a sneak preview of it mm -hmm. and to convert basically the traffic into your own website where mm -hmm. you have full version of it. Mm -hmm. But there are also other forums like Medium, which is the world's largest uh, blogging platform, medium.com. There you can position yourself and have a completely different audience um, usually. And you have websites like Quora, 
on Quora, you can ask questions and provide answers. So then there are experts actually who, who have written 2,000 answers. Wow. And that gave them business. And the reputation that reputation. we were talking about earlier. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. So it's more, um, I like that it's not about the content. It's about the curation of what it is that you're producing. Like you said, you can write books. If that, that's all you do, you're an author. That's great then you are just having content, but you also probably as an author need to say, oh, this is how I wrote the article. This is why I'm an expert in being an author because this is the process that I go through and interesting stuff that might appeal to people beyond those who are just reading your book. Yeah, and the interesting thing also when you curate content from others and tag them accordingly, mm. it has one very nice side effect. Those others might then, due to this, get more likes, more views, more whatever, more discussions mm -hmm. and would like to return the favor to you and that is an interesting thing as well yeah i think what what you're saying there is it's really important to um look at the content that you're providing but use it as a, a platform on which to engage with others as yes. well so that context is people uh, and which draws me around to why it's important that you can't just position yourself online you actually need to get out there as well. So it needs to be a blend of face-to-face -face meetings as well as content online. Um, how do you take that step? Say, for example, you're very, um, I don't want to say the I word, but a bit introverted, uh, uh, but you're, you're comfortable, you're, com you're confident online in what it is that you produce, you're, you're, you're comfortable with. How do you make that step into, into the networking world? Is it just throw yourself in the deep end? So lucky enough, you can do it in Australia much better than in Europe because people are a bit more curious. Uh, if you go to network events and maybe you take somebody with you who you know. Good idea. Who can, let's say, warm you up. Yes. Connect you with some others. Yes. Then it gets a little bit better. So I went with one colleague of our company who is a, a young fellow, 19 years old, shy, as you mentioned. Went with him on New South Wales Business Chamber, introduced him to one or two people and then simply left myself out of the conversation. And I've seen that it has been working quite well. So then he enjoyed being asked for what he's doing, although he was young in the workforce and thought he didn't have so much to contribute, but indeed he has. My, my mum has some really good advice here, she says, and it's a bit of what you were saying at the beginning of the program as well. Listen, don't necessarily talk, but actually listen to what people are saying. Ask the questions, be curious like it is that we're known for, and uh, don't necessarily just... Um, talk about yourself. I think I made that mistake at the beginning when I was first getting out there and working out what my 15 seconds spiel it or whatever it is. And I would just literally sort of like speak at people and just shout at them and try and get in into their brains as quickly as I could what it is that I do. And I don't, I don't think anybody heard a word of what I was saying. But once I started talking to people and saying to them, okay, so what sort of issues do you have? What sort of questions do you have about what I'm the expert in? I was almost curating the conversation a little bit about how we were curating what we're putting online. So it's sort of the same process. Would you agree? Yes. And the funny thing is if you have two experts on the listening who are 20% talking 80% listening, then you actually need a third person who's talking because otherwise these other two are just listening. Yes, this is true. Somebody's got to do the talking and somebody's got to do the listening. Exactly. Now, speaking of, you know, we, we've, we've taken the journey, we've got some curated content, we've thought about what periods of time and what times and days we're going to be posting these these articles that we've written. We're also going to be curating other people's content. We're tagging people in. We're making connections both online and offline. Now, how do we measure that? I mean, is it really just I had this conversation with this person and then I got this sale? I mean, what, what are the measurables when people have, have things going on? 
So there's one measurement on LinkedIn itself, which is called SSI, the Social Selling Index, which is basically a combination of four values, how to create your professional brand uh, up to the selling activities. And this is four different areas of up to 25 points. And um, that is just a number. It's a good indicator of how active you are. And everybody can look at it. It's linkedin.com slash sales slash SSI. You don't need to have any kind of premium version. I was going to say, do you need to be no, premium no, no. to do you it? You don't need to have Sales Navigator, although it came from that originally. Uh-huh. And it shows you the activity. It's daily different. So what I'm personally doing, I'm checking every day. Since 1st of January, I'm checking how many views over the last 90 days I've got on LinkedIn. Yep. How many contacts I have in my network. Yep. And I'm blocking many. I need to protect my network. I do not want everybody to come to you, Alexi, who's on other countries just pressing on connect. So I don't do this. I pay attention that. So my you don't do whack a mole. I don't do whack a mole either. It's a big debate I have with people. Do you just hit the like, 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 connect, connect, connect? I have a rule. I have to have engaged with them on some other way other than glancing at their photograph. Do you have that same rule? I'm very strict on that. So then I'm actually inviting people in my network. Every time personalized, I don't press on the connect button, but that makes no sense. Especially on mobile, many people do not know that there are three dots on the right side. Yes. And then you can personalize. Yes, and you should always personalize. I've just read one of your articles. They seem really interesting. How about we have a chat? This is when I'm available. Or, um, you know, I, I saw you at a networking event the other night, picked up your business card, didn't get a chance to talk to you but would like to have a chat. And it doesn't need to be a coffee catch-up. You can just have a quick 10-minute phone conversation, right? And for me, this is showing respect to the other person. I, I don't go on the street and shout to everybody if they would like to be my friends on Facebook. That makes no sense. <laughs> but, uh, for example, we have been on a professional marketing conference uh, last Saturday from Adrian McLean, mm. and we have done the exercise, all of us in the room for 40 people, 50 yep. people, that we connected with the nearby function on LinkedIn. Yes. So there is a possibility to connect, 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 connect in those that you have. Yes. Very fast. Or you use the new QR code function in LinkedIn to connect. One shows the QR code, the other scans it. Very fast, no typing of the name. Lovely. Then you have the connection, but just the number. Yeah. What I've done then later in the evening, I looked up from everybody the profile. Right, uh, then I wrote them. Hi, we met on the Professional Services Marketing Conference uh, in the Boulevard Hotel Sydney last Saturday. We talked about this. Would be nice to catch up one day. But I tried to make this as personal as possible. Yeah. And of course, I can script it. Mm. So in my Evernote, I have 10 scripts for connecting and three scripts for thank you for the connection type, depending, but I always personalize this because it needs to be a hook. So then when I see about the name from a person who I met at a conference three months later, and I think, oh, there's something good what they've shared. What did I talk to them before? And then I press on the message in between and there can be either my personal invitation or if they connected with me just in connect button, then normally I reply by Thanks for your connection. It's good to see what you're doing. And actually, we met already on that conference. So let's go into next steps or whatever. But there should be something in between us and that doesn't go away. Yeah, and, so that's, that's and those thing. messages don't go away. And that's very useful, that, that piece of information that you have on that connection. Because often, you know, two years later, you go, oh, my God, I know that person. Where do I know that person from? And, and that's the, I think... You need to have that data there as well. And those conversations, even if they're slightly, just a couple of sentences, it was great seeing you at the blah, it's a reminder of where it is that you've connected before. So yeah. when you do connect, reconnect with them in a couple of years or they read your article and you go, hey, remember we caught up? I mean, nobody's going to be able to keep a couple of thousand people in their head and how you met them and, and all that sort of thing. I and mean, there are, of course, really great apps for that, like um, 
like HubSpot that you can use. Uh, so, yeah, but, but you can use the, the LinkedIn platform in a really simplistic way for that. Yeah, and for, as you as you asked me about the measurements, so then I'm checking this number on a daily basis. I check the articles who are there, uh, how many uh, views I got. But actually more important is who's engaging with it. Yeah. And I'm, the type of people. I'm replying to all of these engagements yes. on the article because that's important as well. And then, of course, very often there are people who reply on it who don't know me directly, but maybe they have something very interesting to say and would fit into the network. So that's about developing the network, what I'm doing there as well. Um, and that I can see numbers as well. The tricky thing is in LinkedIn, in normal version, you cannot really make good notes on a, on a person, about a person. And sometimes you meet people at events or even in, in, in a community neighbor event who are not active on social media. Mm. So I do have my own tracking table as well. For as do I. Yeah. To really find out what was what, what did I discuss with them. Yeah. And, and, and so again, that you can use that a couple of years down the track. I do have a, a spreadsheet, which I have in all intentions going to put into HubSpot at some point uh, with all that data in it. And that's where, you know, programs like that are sort of a, a good add on. You can use it in, as you said, as a, a very simplistic tool for 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 connecting and understanding what the relationship is, but you sometimes need to take that a bit further and, and make sure that you've got that data a couple of years down the track. So today's been an excellent program. Thank you so much for coming on the show. We've talked about uh, the content that you have, the social selling and what sort of content you need to curate, write about, talk about, and the way that that connects in with your personal brand. And then leading through to how do you use that content to then really make face-to-face connections and then where to take it from from there what's interesting about today is at no stage did we talk about the hard sell now why is it that you don't in this conversation essentially about selling not talk about sales yeah there's one interesting thought that i had on it when we call it social selling some people could call it also social marketing because in, in, in a sense, I'm writing to many people and I'm creating and creating content and it's all, all about numbers. If you take it simple, marketing is talking to an audience, sales is talking to an individual. Mm. It's not social marketing, it's social selling because at the end I'm talking to individuals. To turn the conversation offline into a phone call, into a meeting, into, into whatever to at one stage sell, that is the ultimate target of this. But during the process, you do not pitch. You do not try to sell immediate. Mm. There are people who send emails, as the LinkedIn email function is called, who are directly pitching. Even when you when you met them, you have a good idea, and then you, you get something where you see that's really an approach to sell to me in a stage where I, I'm even not there. It makes no sense. No, and and like you said, it's just it's it's throwing things at the wall and hoping things stick as opposed to really talking to the person who's going to be reading or engaging with it is that your, your content is there. Look, thank you so much for coming on the program. Once again, Gunnar, it's been an excellent program. Talked about lots. There's lots of great content there. In fact, we're going to be putting on the smallbizmatters.com.au website, as we do with all of our podcasts, a little bit about the information. Now, just before we finish up, can you tell us how people can find out a little bit more about yourself and keep it safe? Yes, so that's very easy. So we have a website, keepitsafe.com slash au, where is all information about how small business can protect their data. Because let's face it, downtime is not an option. Mm-hmm. That's, that's <laughs> Indeed. obvious. Mm-hmm. That's, that's on that side. And I'm posting content in regards to this disaster recovery as a service as well, like uh, like a couple of days ago. And uh, myself, I also... I am on LinkedIn, obviously. You're a great person to habits. follow, let me say, because you do actually write some absolutely superb articles, not just about 
cybersecurity and that stuff, but a little bit about traveling as well, which is awesome. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> and I have my own website, gunnarhabits.com.au, uh, where I basically take some of the work from the social selling point of view and put it there. Recently, I published about uh, does social selling work for small businesses, and that is on uh, LinkedIn and one version also on Medium. So check it out because there's lots of really great content there to read. And of course, um, you can read all about the content as well that, from our today's show and listen to the podcast. Sorry, you were going to say something? Only one, only one addition. The interesting thing is everybody has a personal brand already, but all to, the way how to cultivate this. And when you are known for two different kind of things, that's not that easy because you have only one LinkedIn profile. You have only one personal brand, but you can be a multifaceted person, which makes you actually more interesting for, for the people. So then... Uh, when I say I'm I'm on cloud backup, I'm on networking, I'm on social selling, and also I write about leadership, which is somehow connecting it all together. That's right. So that that's a very nice when also you get into publications about leadership. So then I'm very happy that I have my book launch next week on Monday in Melbourne. Oh yes, tell us. So that's in Melbourne next week. If yes. anybody happens to be in Melbourne next week on, on, yeah, on that, Monday. We will do a um, Sydney-based book launch event as well. So that's... Uh, actually a compilation of six Australian leaders who give their secrets about leadership in one book. Oh, please tell us when that Sydney Network event is on so we can pop it into the Small Biz Matters calendar. Somehow end of September in Sydney CBD. Excellent, excellent. Well, thank you very much again for coming on the show. We, will, we look forward to welcoming you on again in another couple of months where you can talk about another area of your expertise. Perhaps we can talk about the leadership aspect as well. You've been listening to Small Biz Matters here on Triple H 100.1 FM. Don't forget to join us for the Matt Keane Small Business Networking Hornsby Chamber of Commerce event on Monday the 10th, 7 till 9pm. You must register via the Chamber website site. Uh, otherwise, we will see you all next week with another great guest. This has been Small Biz Matters, the half hour program where you work on your business rather than in it. My name's Alexi and I'll see you all next week.